My name is Patch. I can't tell you my last name. I can't tell you where I live. But I can tell you that this is The Axe Files, a show where a handful of weirdos talks all about every single Animorphs book in order. And I'm joined by the most wanted criminal this side of the Endolite homeworld, it's Vivian. It is no longer Saleta Sunday. <laughs> oh goodness. And of course we're also joined by the most elegant Astrean on Earth, it's Kate. Hi! Should be like Pride when this is coming out, right? Happy Pride, I guess? Uh, yes, I think the timing's right there. Uh, um, I mean, um, we're recording like this that. in July. But we're recording this in July, so yeah. But we're but it's we're not it's not releasing in July, so yeah. We're recording so far you know. ahead; it's not going to come out till next June. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought you were implying, but it's like we don't have that much of a buffer. No, no, I'm sorry. It's we... early. It's early, yeah, and I yeah. have like moving stuff to do. So my brain that's fair done done broke. I yeah. thought that, I thought podcast went back in time for a second. Nope. Yeah, nope. It, it was like it was like uh when I was doing like one the latest. Let's play. There was a glitch with one of the Pokemon models where it actually was the non-binary colors, and I said Happy Pride. And it's like, wait, no shit, this is gonna go out on the first day of July. Fuck, Pride's huh. over. Miss Maggie has well, killed you know Pride. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Every month is secretly Pride. That's I that's mean, yes, the gay, that's the gay agenda. <laughs> uh-huh. That's that's the that's the end goal here. We're gonna make everything rainbow colored forever. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> uh. That's embarrassing, but also you, you have, have to understand. You have a defense for why you kind of confused. Yeah, I'm dealing with a lot right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's certainly very fair. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um. Yeah. Well, it is once again New Book Day, uh, the best day of the month. So, uh, book seven, huh? <laughs> yep. Um, Having completed our first uh, 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 motivation cycle, we're jumping into the really weird stuff. I love this book so much. Uh, <laughs> this is, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I got, I gotta say, this is like, I'm, I'm excited for this book because this is the book where the the Rachel that we've known so far kind of becomes the Rachel that we will know. She's getting for there the rest for of sure. The series, yeah, and it's a very different vibe <laughs> yeah like even even this book kind of it starts feeling different like i guess especially compared to the previous rachel book but the previous mm-hmm. rachel book was like i want to help my friends who i will never mention again <laughs> yeah and no it it we'll talk about this more i think later in, in future episodes as we go through this mm-hmm. book because obviously in the first nine chapters the shit doesn't ramp up that much it yeah. never does but but it does it's, this time. Yeah, well, yeah, it does, and we're starting to see some cracks that will become, um, you know, fissures later. So, uh, we're um, we'll we'll get into it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so, book seven, "The Stranger" by K. A. Applegate and David Mattingly. Still no ghostwriters. Um. The cover tag is, this time there may no- be no way out. And the inside tag is, a little something to bear in mind. Because, of course, the cover is Rachel turning into a bear. Um, <laughs> I-, I feel like the uh, the little, like, tagline on there, on the cover, usually doesn't really sometimes make sense. <laughs> like so it did, far, no. It did last I- time of, like, the whole, now he's one of them. A.K.A. Let's mm-hmm. spoil what happens in the last third of this book. <laughs> but I, 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 
Yeah, I, I feel like sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. I think that it, it becomes more more commonly relevant later on in the series, especially yeah. as things start to ramp up and as we get these little mini arcs yeah. that, you know, like like three books further into uh, the, the series that I will call uh, the Asshole Trilogy. It's about how Axe eats of his butt. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's about an asshole. Um, I, th- I think those cover quotes, those cover quotes are relevant because okay. it's like a, a, like those three books are like a self-contained thing in a way. Um, but you know, it, it I, th- I think it just depends on how easy it is to connect the quote to something specific that happens in the, in the yeah, story. Yeah, it's, it's just like I'm looking at the early ones again, and it's like the the Tobias one being "Now you see them, now you don't" is like. Mm. <laughs> Well, so but means... the spaceship had a camouflage thing. You couldn't see it. You lit. It oh, okay, like... okay. I was thinking along the lines of referring to the kids in that. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's true of any guerrilla fighting force. You know, now you see them. Now you don't. That's yeah. like the basic fundamental. That's, that's fair. I guess now you think about. Makes I guess, I guess if you think about it like that, the Marco one saying what you see isn't always what you get could also be in reference to how Marco's perceived the last two years of his life with his mom being dead, and then it's like, oh no, she's a brain slug. It's <laughs> yeah, like... or it could just be that what you see when you look at an animorph is not always what you get because they can oh, change I mean, their shape. True. <laughs> I, w- I was trying to go for like the less obvious <laughs> there of like, okay, maybe this actually relates to like the big reveal in the book. Well, I don't know, it could be both. I mean, that's the thing, right? There's a fine line. They're always technically relevant, but whether they, like, spoil the plot is a... It's difficult True. for them to write so many yeah. of these, you know? Because there's two per book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but... It's, 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 it's hilarious to me that you knew exactly what I meant when I said the asshole trilogy. <laughs> well, I feel like it's pretty obvious. Yeah. In fact, I feel like... Well, no. there There's a separate trilogy later on that i feel like we could also call that but it's it's less obvious so <laughs> yeah um yeah so i don't have any kind of weird esoterica for this one because they didn't cram anything into the spine the only thing that i can say before jumping in is that i've mentioned uh, the 2012 republishing a few times and this is the last book that they did for the 2012 republishing because no one was buying the new versions i don't know why <laughs> Oh, well, it's because they take out references to Doom and The Gap. You can't have that. <laughs> <laughs> it's because they had those weird, weird covers. <laughs> I, oh, so yeah, I forgot what they, I forgot what those covers looked like until you brought that up just now. <laughs> they're yeah, <bad. laughs> they're extremely strange. <laughs> I mean, to be, I mean, to be fair, the old covers are not the greatest, but they're funny. They're, they're weird, but they hit like. Yeah, there was a formula they mm-hmm. happened upon. Animorphs was like lightning in a bottle, you know, in that like all of these different things collided to create an incredibly, uh, like an incredibly well-selling series of 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 uh, kids novels. Yeah, and I feel like a part, an important part of that formula, as embarrassing as they were was the covers. Yeah, I mean, that's what people knew about Animorphs just from the, like, from the outside without really reading them. It's just that they have the fucking weird-ass covers. I maintain that there was nothing embarrassing about them. They were just cool. (laughs) When, when When you were a kid in the 90s buying these books, you came 
for the covers and the little flip books that were in the corner, and you stayed for the characters and plot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so after this book, there will not be any relaunch updates, and I don't know if there will be any that I talk about in this book, because they're not especially interesting this time around. Um, (laughs) So let's just go ahead and jump in. Uh, Chapter 1, I have titled, Welcome to the Circus of Value. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so easy to hack those machines. Uh, uh, Yeah, Rachel gives us, like, four-ish paragraphs of recap. Uh, She does briefly mention that Animorph is a portmanteau of Animal Morpher, which no one has acknowledged up to this point, so thanks, Rachel. Uh... (laughs) It's like, it's like uh, it's like the few times you're looking at a Pokemon's entry on Bulbapedia, and it's like Torchic might be a combination of Torch and Chick. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like please, you don't need to explain that. You need to explain like what Lugia's name uh, origin is, not Torchic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a few different ones for Lugia, as I found out. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we open late Sunday night. Uh, the circus is in town, and they've just finished the last showing. Uh, Rachel and Cassie are both there because Rachel's dad has come to town and he basically, when he shows up, just drags her to whatever show he can, her and her sisters. It's like his way of bonding with them. It's just spending money, really. Did, they, did they specify that he lives out of town? Because I thought it was more that he No, it's more by. when he has custody, but it's yeah, cause, like... Yeah, because she explains that they see him like every other weekend plus later on like they spend an entire weekend over at his place once a month so it's like that didn't seem like that he lived outside the city it just he doesn't live with them obviously it's it's a little like he doesn't live outside the city but he basically lives on another planet when he's not a focus of the book you know what i mean <laughs> well i mean th- to be fair this is the first time he's been mentioned <laughs> exactly yeah no mention Seven of her dad the, yeah no mention of her dad back in book two the last time rachel narrated <laughs> <laughs> I, I and I have to say though it's a shame because uh, I like Rachel's dad as a character, like as just like a bit side character. He's he's weirdly developed for <laughs> one of the kids' yeah, parents like, in a way that you don't really get for except for maybe Cassie's parents. Uh, like yeah, I would also yeah. say, you know, I would also say Marco's dad because like Marco's dad, has yeah, been, like yeah. he's been a presence in like since book one, even if we didn't see him till the Marco book, obviously. Yeah. Um, Jake's family is way too leave it to beaver to be, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> to, to really get any sort of characterization. They're very kind of like normal. Yeah, like J- Jake's uh, American fa- family. Now, Jake might do, as well. Like later in the series, they do actually have personalities because we spend some time with them, but yeah. up to this point, they're just kind of yeah. off screen faces. Yeah, like at this point, yeah. they might as well be like, whenever you see Jake, it's always like him like near the ground, like Charlie Brown or something like that, where he's so short and like the adults are just <laughs> a pair of legs and you just go, you hear them go, womp, womp. Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah, yeah. I still remember that like back in the old Peanuts cartoon, there was like one weird episode where like a teacher actually did say full word, but it's because she was trying to get Peppermint Patty to stop falling asleep in class. Because, <laughs> like... That's... It's a little more like uh, Jake is our Linus and Thomas are Lucy, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But it's it still Who's... works. The adults don't sound like make English noises or anything in that cartoon. <laughs> if, J- if Jake is Linus, then who's Charlie Brown? Uh, I don't think we have a specific person, but I would argue that Marco is a good candidate because uh, everyone seems annoyed with him all the time. 
<laughs> I can also imagine Marco shouting good grief. <laughs> so I think he does actually. <laughs> oh yeah, I think I think he did say that once. I don't want to just say Tobias is Woodstock just because of bird, because Woodstock <laughs> also doesn't do murder. <laughs> Can you imagine Woodstock swooping down and devouring a rat alive? Yeah, that would be that would be a yeah. weird episode. That would be a weird. Uh, look, look maybe they comic. maybe they should let somebody make do peanuts yeah. cartoons and give Woodstock a laser gun. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, Woodstock <laughs> is also canonically trans, so. Oh, oh right, yeah, yeah, because <laughs> Woodstock originally was okay. a girl in her in her initial appearance, and then got right on the boy. Mm-hmm. Now, who's who's gonna describe the uh, who's who's gonna design the the just two things T-shirt for this? <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Um. So Rachel and Cassie are they've like broken off from the rest of the family, and Rachel's telling Cassie about how much she hates circuses. Or rather, not how much she hates circuses, but how much she hates animal trainers. And Cassie's, like, fully on board, but Rachel's just ranting to her anyway. It's it's one of those, you get angry and you're saying a lot of things, and then your friend's just there going, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, (laughs) uh-huh. It's that energy, for sure. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, Rachel does mention that her little sisters love the circus, and that's why the dad brought them, but she... She's 12, and she says she guesses she's too old for it, so... (sighs) She has managed to drag Cassie along so she would have someone to talk to instead of being bored by looking at clowns. Um, Do we ever get the sense of how old Rachel's sisters are? uh, Younger than her. I I mean, yes, obviously, but, like, anything more specific. I believe Jordan is six, but I truly have no idea how old Sarah is. Oh, I kind of thought that Jordan was, like, more, like nine just based on the fact that like later on like even uh, rachel says that jordan keyed in that something was up compared to sarah uh, that could be i, I think, don't know yeah I, I don't think a six-year-old would be like okay what's going on <laughs> i think circuses are like almost intentionally by definition uh marketed toward general audiences yeah. So yeah. this 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 definitely has strong like i'm 12 i'm too big for this thing that, yeah yeah, kind it's of like, it's like when it's like when like, you hit twelve and you're like, Pokemon's a kid game, it's for babies, and then you get into like yeah. late high school, early college, and you're just like, nobody gives a fuck. No. Go oh, around with awesome. go buy buy hardcore and soul silver, and you walk around with that Pokemon rocker. Fuck yeah! I, <laughs> that, I, I, I remember. Experience. <laughs> I remember being in high school, and we had we had laptops, and and everyone just like installed emulators and started playing Pokemon <laughs> Emerald on them. And I'm like, wait, hold on, this is allowed again? We can do this again? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh god, like, flashing back to, like, when I told my, uh, old D&D friends, like, guys, I have a confession, I play Pokemon, now flash forward to today, where it's, like, I was more, like, back then, that was the biggest of my problems compared to me being, like, how do I tell them I'm trans? <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, did some research while y'all were having that conversation. Uh, I was incorrect, Sarah is the one who is six. Uh, Jordan is, we never get a specific age, but she's, quote, two years younger than Rachel, so, like, come on. Yeah, so, like, so, like, nine or ten. Yeah. yeah, about ten. Yeah, yeah. That's what I kind of thought because, again, like from that context, it's like Jordan realized something was up and Sarah didn't. It's like, okay, yeah, Sarah has to be like five or something. I f- I, f- I figured the kids are probably like the animorphs are probably between the ages of twelve and thirteen. Yeah, somewhere. Because in I, there. Yeah. There, there, yeah. There, there's definitely like there's there, there's definitely the the feeling I get that they're they're like not quite teenagers, but they're getting to the point where they could be considered teenagers and. Uh, like parents are you know it's it's yeah it's 
You know what I mean? The, pa- pa- yeah. pa- the their parents act like they're entering into adolescence. So yeah, they're old enough to like yeah. go to the mall by themselves or be dropped off for like a couple hours, kind of deal. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I mean, I know, I could. But the Wikipedia pages do include the year that each Animorph was born, so I guess I could go through and do the math, but I don't want to do that right let's, now. <laughs> let's do that later when we're not recording a podcast. Yes, I agree. <laughs> um, anyway, Rachel is just excited to spend time with her dad because uh, of how much they're similar. He's kind of reckless and weird, just like she is, and he's super duper confident, and people tell her that she is, so like, it's neat. And uh, apparently, he's also a gymnast. Uh, She says that he almost made the Olympic team when he was younger, so that's pretty rad, actually. Uh, But, I mean, of course, she's got secrets. Like, she can't tell him she fights Hork-Bajir on the weekend, so... Mm -hmm. Um, Cassie and Rachel are now, like, infiltrating the animal pens... And they're, she, Rachel is so mad about everything that is happening in these animal pens. Like, everything she describes, she hates. So, she's really ramping up real fast. But they get to the elephant mm-hmm. pen, and um, they apparently, during the show, saw the elephant use a cattle, uh, the elephant trainer use a cattle prod on the elephants itself, which he was using to zap them. And I don't know, like... So it's, I'm sorry, I'm having a difficult time with the the, the sequence of events here. So the trainer uses the cattle fraud before the show, but they never say the word before. It just says that they saw him do it, and then later during the show. So Um, I don't know what circumstance they were in that they saw him do this before the show, (laughs) but... It usually stuff happens backstage, doesn't it? Yeah, but they shouldn't have been backstage, should they? Okay. (laughs) Um, Well, I... I, I I don't know. I don't know that. I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it seems weird. Uh, I, I did want to backtrack for a second, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, so there's a point in here where Cassie warns Rachel, because she's considering doing something reckless and Rachel-like, um, you know Jake is going to read you the riot, a- riot act over this. And Rachel laughs at this, doesn't know, like, what does that says? What does that even mean? Well, I looked it up. Would you like to know? Sure. Okay, so the Riot Act was a law that was passed in the 17, like early 1700s England that allowed um, basically people who were deputized by the king, police essentially, and guards and whatnot, to dismiss unlawful gatherings, basically to tell people they weren't allowed to protest uh, as a prelude to violence. Uh-huh. So the, the actual thing, the... the um, you know, the, the the person would have to do the authority figure, the, the guard, the police officer, sheriff, usually. I don't think they had police officers quite back then, but sheriff, under sheriff, parish constable. They would have to get in front of the people who were uh, assembling, and they would have to read this. Our sovereign lord, the king, chargeth and commandeth all persons being assembled immediately to disperse themselves and peaceably to depart their habitations or their lawful business upon the pains contained in the act made in the first year of King George for preventing tumults and riotous assembles. God save the king. Uh, so if you heard that, you had to leave. <laughs> and that's that's where the riot act comes from. Uh, that's a little much, but all right. I mean, I guess there's worse things to be read, right? Like, if you're in trouble and they tell you to leave. 
Yeah, basically. They just did that in a fancy way that was, like, specifically laid down in, like, some kind of law or ordinance called the Riot Act. I'd like to know how Cassie and Rachel know this. <laughs> they don't. They don't. It's just that people have been using that as, like, a, a phrase to, to say, like, uh, tell you off or something for a long time. So, it, you know. Oh, right, right. Like, I, f- I forgot, I forgot that, yeah. like, Rachel even says, what does that even mean? And Cassie shrugged and smiled or shy smile. I don't know. Yeah, it's <laughs> right, just common okay. parlance yeah. for, like, you're going to get yelled at. But again, if you think you're going to get yelled at and they just tell you to leave, probably better. Um, <laughs> but they, yeah. they, they, mentioned, they mentioned it and they were like, what does that even mean? And I was like, I don't know. I'm going to find out. I can really find out. I have Google. Yeah. So I, th- I thought I would. <laughs> and I thought it was fun. Yeah, so uh, Cassie makes Rachel promise not to hurt this elephant trainer, and Rachel does. She says she'll just talk to the guy, and then she turns into an elephant while no one's looking. Um, yeah, it, I don't know what's going on here exactly, because clothes morphing, uh, maybe she had her morphing uniform on under her regular clothes, I don't know. But I am assuming she is not just bursting out of her outfit because she is meeting up with her family again later, and that would be a lot of questions. Yeah. I feel like at this point they're kind of, like, sometimes just glossing over that stuff. <laughs> she might have, like, I don't know, there's no one else around except for Cassie. Yeah. She might just, you know, take, take her clothes off so, so as not to, to destroy them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although I, I'd say that, I mean, while they fully address it back in, in Chapter 9 when we get there. <laughs> What they do with the clothes. <laughs> Alright, um, yeah. Jigs. Shoes. Yeah. Uh, into chapter two, uh, which I have called Looker of the International Police. Uh, Rachel describes turning into an elephant. Uh, Cassie makes a Pinocchio joke as her trunk grows out. Uh, you know, uh, elephant stuff, morphing. And then when she finishes morphing, she does a big uh, elephant trumpet, which scares the crap out of Cassie. She had no idea that was about to happen. And then the trainer comes rushing into the pen, because I guess elephants don't trumpet for him. Like, I don't know. But uh, Rachel sort of leans forward and uses her trunk to pick this guy up, at which point he realizes that she's not one of his elephants, somehow. I don't... I guess because I, I she's mean, acting different, but... It, it could simply be well, that she says there were four elephants in the pen, and she was, like, kind of somewhat being behind some other ones, and then he's like, wait, shit, there's five, what? <laughs> uh, aren't circus elephants usually Indian elephants? Oh, also, also elephants? yeah, yeah, they, they, she does have a line saying that these elephants are not the African elephant that I have. So ah, they're well, different. there you go. Yeah. Okay, no, so I'm, I'm, so it, I'm seeing some examples of... of... Uh, circus elephants who were African elephants, but these specifically, yeah. I guess, are Indian elephants. Yeah, she has a line about them being different kinds of elephants, and also, again, there's four of them. That was a fifth, <laughs> so mm. could be okay. both. <laughs> yeah, I also feel like if you've spent enough time around elephants, you can really recognize. Yeah, them. yeah, it's like I mean, just like how like if you have like a litter of puppies that are all like kind of look this- similar to somebody, they might just be like, I can't tell them apart, and it's like, well, I've been around them long enough, I can I know which one's which. Well, I'm sure that's generally true, but this scene is specifically said to take place in the dark, and all you can see is gray shapes, so... Either way... Ah, I see. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Either way, uh, Rachel picks this guy up, and she starts talking to him with thought speech. Uh, She claims that she is from the International Elephant Police, and that uh, (laughs) people have been putting in complaints about him. Uh, He's just really panicking, because he thinks he's going nuts. But uh, she's squeezing him and threatening him to pop him, 
and uh, he's like, she's telling him basically that the cattle prods thing is a no-no, uh, elephant police are super big on this, you can't do that. And he just responds by saying that the elephants are his property, which is maybe not the thing to tell an elephant that is holding you and threatening to kill you. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes, she just sort of wiggles him, so if she drops him, she'll impale him on one of her tusks and uh, makes him are swear. Are sharp hmm? enough for that, though? I mean, I, I feel like it's, like, more like they're, like, for self-defense, but they still have to, like, thrust them forward and stuff. I don't, I don't um, know. Um, they can pick up entire trees with their trunk. They're strong enough for Okay, that. fair. I, I just wasn't sure if they were, like, sharp enough to impale uh, a guy falling, like, a few feet onto it. I don't think they have to be sharp. Humans just have to be squishy. And I guess. Are. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's like, if you were to drop someone onto a tusk, yeah, it would hurt. I don't know if it would necessarily kill them. If you were to, say, pick them up with your trunk and slam them into it at maximum speed, yeah, then, to, yeah. Yeah, to be fair, she doesn't yeah. really say she'd drop him, so it is like, yeah, she could just she says, shank him with on. One like twitch, <laughs> with one twitch of my trunk, that's what she says. Yeah. Oh, okay, so, yeah, so that, that implies yeah. like a flick. Onto. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so... At any rate, uh, she makes him swear no more cattle prods, no more pain training of any sort, because she will be watching, and if he ever, ever hurts an elephant again, she will murder him. Uh, and then she throws him about 20 feet onto the top of a tent. And uh, Cassie just has been casually watching this whole thing and asks if they can go home now. <laughs> I, I, I had a sudden... <laughs> vision of a Loxodon character dressed up like fucking Ezio Aditore in the stadium of the circus all the time watching this guy. <laughs> Why? I don't know, because, like, I mean, she's like, I'll always know, I'll always be watching you, so it's like me imagining just an elephant dressed up as an assassin <laughs> watching from the stadium to be like, we know, we're watching <laughs> you, my guy. <laughs> Doing the whole, like, uh, I got my eye on you thing, but with the trunk instead of a hand. <laughs> uh. Alright, and then we get into chapter 3, which I have called the main plot is starting early this book. Um, Jake, the next day, is seems more concerned about the fact that Rachel threw the guy than that she talks to him. I would feel like the talking would be the giveaway, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's one of those things that I'm guessing this never comes up again, much like that one lady who actually did manage to escape on Cassie's back, uh, back in book 1, where it's like, I see not helping them out or anything. <laughs> yeah, I'm with, fairly sure Joseph never comes back. With with the conclusion of this scene, I do want to remark that, like, having a cold open where the characters are using morphing powers for something not Yerk-related, it has now officially become a thing. Huh. Yeah, in, yeah, now you say the... that, yeah. It's been in, like, every book now, recently. Yeah. <laughs> Because, like, Marco turned into the gorilla to stop the the guy being mugged. Uh, Cassie turned into the squirrel to find the fox that was attacking the barn animals. And he even even in... Uh, oh, yeah, think, yeah. Uh, Rachel turned into an elephant yeah. to get away from the uh, the guy in the car. Yeah. And in Tobias's book, Rachel and Tobias both turned into... Right, to, yeah, they, 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 yeah, they attacked, elephant yeah, they attacked yeah, the car. They, they used car the, place, yeah. Yeah. Also in Rachel's book, they they all started as birds. They were just flying around having fun. So, oh yeah, yeah, because yeah, Rachel fucking stole that guy's gun and threw it in the ocean. <laughs> uh huh. 
I think the Jake one is the only one that hasn't done that. Well, that and the first one. Well, I mean, one. the yeah, the difference there is the fact that they simply didn't have the morphing powers until, like, chapter 5. And then I it's meant like... 6. Oh, or, okay, I thought you meant the first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kind of somehow forgot we had a Jake book last week. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting for, uh, omission. Um, yeah, it is I think it's next... just because Jake didn't seem like he did a whole lot besides just be stuck in his head for the latter third. <laughs> well, yes, that is he what can't... happens when you get yerked. Yeah, turns out you don't get to do much of your own choice. He did a lot of stuff before that, though. He topped off the kill count, for one. Yeah, he sure <laughs> did oh, true, do that. True, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he did uh, boil a bunch of yorks. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a tricky one for other folks to come back from. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it is the next day after the elephant shenanigans, and it's they're after school, it's a Monday, they're all in the woods, um... And Jake is, like, he's basically telling Rachel that she shouldn't have done that, but he's also not condemning her at the same time. He's doing the I'm not mad, I'm disappointed thing, basically. Mm-hmm. And they apparently did not tell uh, Rachel that Cassie was there, because if Cassie was there, I guess he would have expected her to stop Rachel. So, wow, clearly have a high opinion of your cousin, dude. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's like it's. She phrases it like, uh, "I didn't want to have Jake annoyed at Cassie." <laughs> <laughs> it's like you can be annoyed at family; it's fine. I don't want you to be annoyed at your kind of girlfriend. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so roughly everyone is just like complaining about how Rachel shouldn't do stuff like this because it's too obvious. They didn't get this power so they could protect animals, which... Yeah, you know, they haven't used their powers to talk to people and with thought speech while transformed to animals before, even though, again, like the last time Kat, uh, Rachel did this, she also basically showed the guy that she can turn into an elephant. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this has happened before, but I can't remember specifically when. <laughs> I don't remember them talking to somebody else with thought speech. Yeah, I think there was definitely... Yeah, it was because Tobias led that guy out when he was running through the forest. Oh, right. To be fair, that guy was being chased by a fucking giant alien salad shredder, as they always <laughs> call it. So it's like, at that point, you hearing a bird talking in your head is like, yeah, this this is normal at this point, if there's aliens. <laughs> <laughs> That's a special case, I feel. <laughs> yeah, also, I don't know if that guy knew that the bird was talking to him. It, like, yeah, yeah, it could have just been like him like being like, oh, somebody's in the woods help, like watching me and helping. Like Maybe it's like a gunman or something, I don't know. Yeah. Well, no, they would. He, he he would definitely have known that it wasn't sound, but it was thought speech. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it would be more like there's a voice in my head that's telling me to run. True. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this voice in my head just told me to follow the hawk. Okay, I guess. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, yeah, now yeah. I think about it, yeah, that that guy would also be of use to them because he kind of owes them. <laughs> just like the lady. <laughs> They got out, and it's like, none of these people ever come back, and they just keep telling people. It makes you just keep revealing that they have morphing powers to people, and then it's like, eh, you know, hope that the person wasn't a controller. That's fine. <laughs> well, if they do, so if that guy gets got eventually, and gets gets controllered, gets, gets yerked, all he's really going to get is knowledge that a hawk helped him somehow. Not necessarily that the hawk was a human. Mm-hmm. And they know that the, the Andalite bandits exist, so I don't think the Yerks would be gaining too much knowledge from that. Yeah, you know they do I mean? They do know at this point that one of them is basically always a bird for the most part. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, they, they already know what to look for with Tobias. Yeah. Or at least they know that they can morph birds. 
You know, if they were not even know it's necessarily the same one each time. Yeah. Well, yeah. At some point, I feel like there's something to be said for consistency, right? The Animorphs are going to use the same battle forms more or less every time. So when there's always a hawk, like, I feel like you can generally assume that's the same guy. But also, maybe they're switching it up for some reason. I don't know why they would. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I can see that. It's, it's, like they, they 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 know how many there are, and they know the the general mm-hmm. tactics they'll use. Yeah, it's like it's like sometimes they're like, okay, I want to play the DPS this time. You can be the healer. <laughs> so they switch up the morphs. <laughs> but I just don't know what kind of information, what kind of useful information the Yurks would get from that that they don't already have. Yeah, yeah fair enough. So I I think it was a relatively low risk thing to do. I mean, it was still risk, but I think it was. Yeah, I guess like Definitely even even if it. even if the Yurks like Yurks this uh, circus guy, they just be, like when reading his brain, they just be like, yeah, one of the and the light bandits talked to this guy because they were like, don't hurt the elephants, fuck you. Well, I think that's a little bit different because I I I think that Rachel said some stuff back there like elephant police that an Andalite wouldn't. Uh, fair, yeah, yeah, and and uh, obviously the Yurks would know it doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, like. You definitely don't want to make fucking pop culture references or anything like that. You know what I mean? You don't want to do anything that could tip off that that you are in fact not an alien. And an elephant, an elephant picks you up, looks at you a bit menacingly, and then just starts singing uh, fucking Smash Mouth songs. <laughs> and I, I doubt an Andalite would set aside time to do what Rachel did. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah. you know, if the Yurks decide they want to infest this. animal trainer at a circus for some reason then it might be a problem but i feel like he's a relatively low value target is the thing like yeah he doesn't hold a position of power he doesn't hold a static like he's traveling all the time it's hard to get to a yerk pool he can he can can offer behind the scene tours to get up close to the animals and then uh, when you get there it's a hork bajir and they grab you and then they yerk you there you go (laughs) yeah if you have a portable yerk pool True. <laughs> I mean, and they already said they can use jacuzzis for that. They just need to get another one. Yeah, but do you know how hard it is to keep a jacuzzi moving while you are traveling in a circus? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> that that doesn't pack up and go onto the truck very easily. <laughs> the, the traveling circus is no longer traveling. It's here to stay, guys. <laughs> and yeah, then it goes it out of business in two weeks. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I guess, yeah. The whole purpose is, like, you can't stay in place with a circus because, like, you're not going to keep attracting the same people again and again, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Marco is all grumpy, and he's pretty serious today, but he won't, like, say why, because he doesn't want to tell the story twice. So they're going to find Axe, and then he'll tell the story, which they kind of... Jake especially makes fun of him for, because... He knows that Marco is willing to tell the same jokes over and over again, but Marco claims that that's just because if they would laugh the first time, he wouldn't have to. Um, <laughs> and yeah, he he is a little... Rachel notes that Marco is different now. Uh, after his book, he's a lot more on board. And uh, yeah, she doesn't know why. She doesn't have that information about his mom, but she knows that something has changed, and I feel like that's a nice observation from her. Um, there's a little scene here where Cassie sees some skunks and talks about how much she loves skunks, and I'm kind of on board, I love the skunks, 
but uh, that's more just because we're describing who everyone is, and Cassie likes animals, so there have to be animals there. Um. <laughs> uh, fun, fun bit of trivia. Uh, Rachel calls Cassie Doctor Doolittle, and in the original, it's spelled D O O L I T T L E, which is not correct. In the reprint, they fixed it. <laughs> Uh, oh wait, because Julia only has one L, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, Axe shows up at about this point, uh, just dramatically leaping over a fallen log, so he can get the glamour shot as we enter his scene in the movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, they they just kind of greet each other, and Axe talks about how yesterday he got attacked by a cougar, and it was very interesting. He liked the cougar; it was exciting, and he. Quote, did not hurt the cougar, Cassie. Not fatally, anyway, but he won't try to eat me again. So, I don't know what he did to this cat, but... <laughs> I would say he should have acquired the cougar, but... Yeah. I, I feel like it's like, the cougar is not a whole lot more dangerous. Like, I, I, actually, probably less dangerous than an Andalite, so... <laughs> yeah, and it's... Because the thing is that a cougar is an ambush predator, right? So if it... Mm -hmm was doing what cougars do, it would have just jumped him and gone straight for the neck. I'm curious how he survived that without killing it. I mean, <laughs> It's I, hard to sneak up on an Andalite because they have those two, the twisty yeah, stalk Yeah, eyes. like, it, it describes him in, like, these next few chapters as him always turning them around to look for danger, so it's like, he's probably just doing it all the time, and it was like, oh, a cat! <laughs> Oh, look at that, it's trying to eat me. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> later, later they'll press this a lot more, that it is almost impossible to sneak up on an Andalite. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it still would have been useful for him to grab it, because again, like, the cougar at least can, like, be a little bit more stealthy than an Andalite, because it's an alien deer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well... Uh, now that everyone is together, uh, Marco and Tobias are going to uh, tell their news, because they have figured out how to get into the yurt pool, and that is the end of my chapters. Yeah, okay, and that just brings us right to the next one, which uh, is chapter 4, which I called A Nice Day at the Pool, <laughs> which opens with Marco reminding us of where the yurt pool is located, as under the school, as we also still know that from the first book. And he explains that he and Tobias have spent the last week talking to Ch uh, tailing Chapman from the skies in the case of the latter, and into buildings in the case of the former. Because I don't think, obviously, they would let a bird go into a store. <laughs> ha. Birds uh, go into wait. stores all the time, I don't know what you're talking about. True, yeah, we've all seen that bit of, like, the seagull walking into, like, a 7-Eleven stealing a bag of chips. <laughs> well, I'm normal. just talking last... about the birds that hang out in the rafters at the Walmart. <laughs> also that, yeah, they always get in. <laughs> But those are usually, like, pigeons and stuff. They're not reptile dogs. <laughs> yeah, uh, in any case, Rachel realizes that he kept his quiet since Marco was intentionally giving Jake a bit of a break after his ordeal from the last book, so good guy Marco. But she then demands to know where the entrance is, to which the answer, of course, is the beloved mall that I'm pretty sure has appeared in every book so far. <laughs> At the rate these kids go, they're gonna get banned from this mall, given that some crap always happens there whenever they are there. <laughs> Eventually somebody's gonna put two into DM and be like, wait a sec. <laughs> there's, a, there's a weird blue monster deer there when these other cute kids were there. Hmm. I mean, it but, depends. Like, we never know specifically what mall, but they're in LA. If this is the Grove, there is no way they will ever get recognized. I, I don't... I don't think they're in LA. I think they're in another small, like a, a smaller uh, so South California town. Because 
later on they, there's there's mention of like uh like here this is hold on what was the exact quote here didn't they sorry hold on uh like i th- i think later they'll mention like a bigger mall built across town or something like that it, it, it there there are things in here that give me the impression that this is a smaller town than la they still seem like they have LA a pretty is large like, mall mm-hmm. la is like huge <laughs> uh, so I, I I I think this is like possibly a suburb in the LA area, or like a smaller town in like in that general region of California. Well, I mean, uh, unless they're gonna say and specify in the last book, I don't think they'll ever know. <laughs> we at least know for sure it's California. <laughs> That's that much. We yeah, it's it's definitely SoCal. Uh. I don't know if it. I don't think it's at, it's like specifically L.A. Could be, um, could be San Diego. Let's see. According to Michael Grant, it's somewhere in Orange County. So somewhere in Orange County. So that doesn't necessarily mean L.A., but it's probably close to L.A. Yeah. Yeah, it could just be like, you know, like the outskirts of it or something. Yeah, like a. I mean, in the. I imagine a lot of the towns around there have grown together recently. I know that's happened in in the Dallas area. It might be that this was a play, one of those places that is now like directly connected to the LA metropolitan area, but wasn't in the nineties. <laughs> yeah. Well, at any rate, uh, basically, he specifies that the entrance to the pool is in the changing room at the Gap, with the exit from the pool being into a movie theater at the attached Cineplex because it's mall. Uh, basically, he describes like controllers leaving after a movie wraps up and all the viewers leave from the theater. So obviously, they have to have everybody yoked in order to make it not be suspicious that you have a bunch of people just leaving the movie theater after a bunch of people have already left. Uh, Axe immediately wants to besiege the yurt pool because, of course, Axe wants to murder, even though Axe has like the lowest kill count at this point. <laughs> yeah, Axe. Yeah. Axe has the the impression I get here is Axe doesn't really get it. X yeah. was not in the York pool earlier, doesn't understand why the kids are so terrified of it. He's like, well, it's a big target, so we should do it for honor and stuff. <laughs> yeah, but I, does I, not know yeah. <laughs> what he is getting into at all. Yeah, X is like, but, I, but I've seen you play Dynasty Warriors. One person can definitely kill thousands, right? <laughs> you just gotta believe. It's like, I accept the video it, game. <laughs> he's, he's just got like a very naive view of this, that the kids have already, like it's already been yeah. shattered for the kids because of their first experience in the Earth. Yeah, they, they've been at this like a month longer than him, so they're like, even though Axe mm-hmm. has been like born into this world of like, yep, there's yeah. alien learning slugs, but like he doesn't get it for some reason. Yeah, but he's he's never, like aside from the battle on the dome ship, I'm pretty sure he's never seen any actual action. Yeah, and, uh, and even then, it seemed like he was just in the dome ship because he's a miner, so he actually wasn't really doing anything, yeah. and then he just fell to Earth, yeah. and it's like, well, shit. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But yeah, in any case, uh, the kids tell him how they all got flattened when they tried to go to the pool before, and even then, it wasn't even designed to destroy the pool or attack them, it was trying to just get Tom out. But mm-hmm. it's, uh, yeah, but it's just too big and too well protected for them to really feasibly take it out. Rachel asks Axe for more info on the Kendron itself, and he gives a handy reminder that it's a miniature replica of the Yurk's planet Sun, and emits rays that concentrate in the pools to nourish Yurks, and that they need to bathe in it every three days. Why did I write that all down? <laughs> we all know, but that's what it is in the book, and it's annoying that they have to explain it, but so this could be the first one. Well, 
I mean, you could just you could just say that Axe gives him the skinny on the Kondrona, you know? Yeah, like, I don't know. I, I was I was being a little facetious there, like being like, it's in there, so I'm gonna write it down because it's. Well, don't I you don't know. have to. I know. <laughs> but yeah, in any, in, in any case, the TLDR is that Rachel realizes that the Kondrona itself is the real target, and if they get rid of that, then they're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Axe goes on to explain that it could be miles away since the race can be beamed into the pool from almost anywhere and that it can be about the size of a car or even Cassie's barn depending on how many pools it supports. So ultimately they decide to scout out the pool in the hopes of learning where the Kondrona is being kept safe, though Axe does also mention that the severity of the Kondrona's destruction on the Yurks largely depends on if they have a spare available, though there is one in the membership too so they wouldn't be fully wiped out even if they didn't have a spare. But the good news, at least, is that it wouldn't be practical for the Yorks to shuttle their human slaves back and forth all the time, so Visitor 3 wouldn't be able to get every York off the planet, and a good amount of them would just die of starvation before you could actually do that. <laughs> but yeah, but the chapter basically ends on the note that the kids are all pretty apprehensive about returning to the Night Raiders the York pool, and Axe even starts to get a little scared at their response to this realization. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you you all seem afraid, and your fear is beginning to scare me. Like, yeah, yeah, good, it should. Yeah. Also, Rachel <laughs> straight up says hell in this book. There's there's way more actual like kind of swearing in this book than I thought was going to happen in the kids' book from the nineties. Actual kind of swearing, yeah. Well, I well mean, she says hell. <laughs> yeah, but she says hell in the context of a place. Again, hell, the place yeah. is not a swear. Okay, fair. Yeah, we've been over yeah. this. <laughs> I mean, also to be fair, in the year twenty twenty three, hell is not a swear. Hell never really was much of a swear anyway. Like as a kid, I was always told suck was a swear, and it's like, <laughs> like being oh, told, heck. Oh, yeah, being told like, oh, the Zapdos Pokemon TCG card sucks, and it's like, oh, you said a swear, I'm telling. And it's like it's not a swear. Oh <laughs> heck, oh gosh, and golly gee. Yeah. No. Oh gee, Willikers. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean by today's standard, all those cards in the base set and jungle set of Pokemon suck because they just end up with power creep. <laughs> it's the realization. The real thing uh, there, like, suck is. The the whole implication is the reason it's negative is because it's gay, and so I don't like that word because it's reinforcing the negative gayness, so, like... Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. that was also the big one back in the 90s of, like, oh, that's gay. <laughs> why don't, why don't we use, why don't we, why don't we use, we, we reclaim, we reclaim that. You, you suck to mean good things. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like oh yeah that that uh that that new computer you got it's got great it's it's uh it, it's got great performance that sucks you know <laughs> that that sucks that sucks like hell you know. <laughs> kind of reminds me of the Seinfeld episode of the guy trying to claim that uh, saying that Jerry was a phony is complimentary actually. <laughs> <laughs> God, I don't even remember the full context for that. It was like some dude who like uh, accidentally gets stuck in Jerry's trunk or something like that afterwards after he gets his thumb broken. <laughs> okay. In any case, uh, we should continue on with chapter 5, which I called Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. <laughs> and that's basically just Rachel returning home later on to find her mom dressed more nicely than she usually would be in the evening, since turns out her ex-husband I... is coming over to take out. I think, I think Vivian, mm -hmm. that you just chose the optimum possible chapter title. <laughs> I can't yeah. think of another one that fits <laughs> wait, better. Wait, wait until or... next chapter's title. I got a good one for that one, too. <laughs> oh, you're going to make up for it, huh? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. But I also like the one I came up with for the next one. 
But yeah, no, I, like, I just had a brain blast with these chapter titles, because even, like, Nice okay. Day at the Pool, it was, like, the kids being like, oh, fuck, hey, we hate the York I was, Pool. <laughs> no, I was, I was more thinking you're going to come up with, like, a really bad, tortured pun just, no, to, just I, to bring I, I it was, down again. I but... withheld from that this time. <laughs> okay, good. I held myself back. <laughs> Thank you're you, welcome. for my sake. Thank you. <laughs> I know I usually torture you with that every week. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but yeah, in any case, Rachel immediately knows something's up, because her dad never comes over, really, despite her and her sister spending a weekend a month at this place in the city, plus every other weekend, uh, hang out just like with the circus. And when she asks what's going on, her mom just says that he has something to tell his daughters, while making it sound like she doesn't believe he forgot to do so at the circus, because apparently he's supposed to do it there. <laughs> Good job, my guy, forgetting <laughs> about that. Air Gord's forgetting. <laughs> But her dad, Dan, arrives as Rachel's, uh, uh, yeah, as Rachel's internal narration. As some reason, that word looked weird to me. It's early. Uh, but basically, her internal narration tells us that he works for a local TV channel doing investigative journalism and anchoring the weekend news. And at this point, we learn her mom is named Naomi, so good job on giving anyone who reads this a good idea of your identity, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> Naming your entire family, unless she's coming up with fake names. Uh, hopefully, that's what she's doing. I feel like that is what's happening. They, they mentioned that I names have been hope. changed. Yeah, I would they, they they say they say names have been changed. So <laughs> yeah, they know. they specified that like their names aren't changed, but like everybody else, would I would hope is actually. <laughs> but also, but we they're need, twelve. <laughs> we need names for the parents because this is a very terse exchange. Yeah, and just just them using their names with each other, like mm-hmm. it, yeah. like hello, damn. Naomi, how yeah, it's like it's like obviously they can't <laughs> say hello, honey, or anything like that because they're not married yeah. anymore. Yeah, so, like, it's, yeah, they have it's, to... it's it's a tense energy here. These two do not get along. No. <laughs> do we ever get? They well, do. Do, do we huh? ever like learn more about why they split up in the later book? Uh, not as far I as I know. Okay, I can't I I, think. Yeah. S- there's definitely like stuff that's going to happen like just just in this chapter actually that explains a lot of this tension though mm-hmm. um we'll get we'll keep going i'll let you explain it yeah yeah uh in case they awkwardly eat the tie that he brought uh until naomi just tells him to spit it out already <laughs> essentially to which he says that he got a new job offer to be the lead anchor in the 6 and 11 p.m news and do specials but that did require him to move over a thousand miles away because <laughs> I guess he's moving to the Midwest, I guess. Cause like, and that... Because it's like 3,000 miles from, like, coast to coast in America, I believe, right? And and that, I feel... I, I think I think he's... For several reasons, I think he's moving to Denver, specifically. That, um, that would make that, sense, that, yeah. Like, so, somewhere... Because it's a mountain <laughs> town that's big on sports. Right, uh, yeah. And, yeah. Um... I, I, I feel like this is the source of most of the tension in the scene, is that uh, Naomi does not agree with Dan's decision to move far away from his daughters. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm just quickly looking up Google Maps to see how much distance is between, like, roughly L.A. and Denver. <laughs> just curious. Uh, come on, Google. Uh, I can do that if you want oh, to continue. Oh, uh, 1,017 uh... miles. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. so, yeah. Pr- yeah, I, I'm pretty, pretty, I'm pretty close, sure I'm yeah. spot on here. <laughs> that sounds Seem, perfect. Seems yeah. like yeah, because <laughs> like it's like basically if he wasn't going to like Colorado, it'd basically be like around like Roswell, New Mexico, or like like uh kind of like the 
area of Texas on like the west area that doesn't seem I, like it has I, a lot of major cities. Ro- Ro- Roswell wouldn't make sense. Santa Fe might. Yeah, um, Roswell's like it doesn't have mountains or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think we are really figured out where he's going. <laughs> yeah. Again, good job telling us a lot about your family, Rachel. <laughs> I mean, it can't be that hard to find a new news anchor named Dan. I guess. <laughs> Again, we're assuming that name. Rachel has. We're assuming that Rachel has not changed her father's name <laughs> in the story to. But you know, it's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's like if she's choosing like to, uh, cover names. I guess Dan is like the most like nondescript possibly for a guy to give as a moniker. <laughs> Yeah, but Naomi is really not. Yeah, like, even, even when I read that, that's like, wow, Naomi is not a common name. The only other time I've heard the term, the name Naomi as, like, a character in fiction, I don't think I've ever known someone named Naomi, but there's also, the only, I'm thinking of Naomi from The Matrix, and that's it. Oh, okay, yeah, because I was also thinking, like, I, f- I feel like I also knew of a Naomi in, like, fiction, but definitely not IRL <laughs> in my also Naomi- the Matrix. <laughs> Naomi is the captain of the Logos in The Matrix. <laughs> Uh, and, yeah, she's, she's Mor- Morpheus's, Morpheus's former flame. Okay, for some reason yeah. I was thinking she had a, uh, a more convoluted name a little bit, because, like, I mean, most of the characters, like, no. the main characters are, like, Morpheus, Trinity, Neo, it's like, I didn't, I didn't well, expect her to be Naomi. <laughs> those are all, those are all basically their gamer tags. Those are all their, <laughs> yeah, yeah. their like, hacker names <laughs> they used before they got out the Matrix. True, yeah. Uh, like, uh, Naomi, I guess, uh, same? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because, like, I mean, in my defense, like, I only ever watched all three of those, well, the first three of those movies once, like, over a decade ago, so I just totally forgot her name. Anyway, some people are just bad at coming up with usernames, it's fine. Yeah. yeah I, <laughs> We've all yeah, been there. Like, I, I'm pretty bad at that. <laughs> Alright. Uh, Rachel kind of just emotionlessly congratulates him before bolting up to her room to sulk, uh, but she does let him in because he also wanted to tempt her with a talented gymnastics instructor in the city he's moving to to try and see if she wants to get a little of him instead, because it turns out 12 is old enough to decide that both her younger sisters don't get the same offer. <laughs> Which, uh, I mean, the way that she explains it later on makes sense, but it really does seem like it kind of just comes across a little bit like he's trying to basically pull her away from what she knows, <laughs> just because he doesn't want to be lonely by himself. Well, no, I, I, I don't really get that impression. It's, I see, I see something very earnest. He wants to be near his daughter. He loves his daughter. Um, he's moving because of his career, but he, he's trying to make this as equitable as he can. Um, and there's a, there's a line here, specifically, where is it? Hold on, sorry, I'm trying It's, it's to like when it. Rachel realizes that he'd be lonely, right? Yeah, I guess so. It's, yeah, it's, uh, and I know it would mean changing schools, but gee, Rachel, I think it'd be okay, you know? I mean, for one thing, they have serious mountains there, we could do some rock climbing over together and we can go hiking huge sports town like he's getting excited about this he's getting excited about doing stuff with his daughter and uh like you know and it, also the, the other reason i think this is not la is that he says it's a much bigger city <laughs> oh, so like yeah, the, the idea of like LA. <laughs> exact well the thing is nothing in in that area of the country is bigger than la <laughs> fair <laughs> so la is huge 
LA is like second, pretty much in the United States, only to New York. So this is uh, uh, this, in this yeah. alternate 1990s of Amer- of America. LA is a really small podunk town, apparently. In this alternate, <laughs> in this alternate 90s America, did Hollywood never become a thing? Did, <laughs> sounds like <laughs> did did uh, filmmakers never move from New York to El- to California in order to avoid? Uh, in, in order to avoid patents on film equipment held by Edison. <laughs> I mean, at some level, I don't know how true this is, right? Like, I don't care if you're Denver. Whatever town this is taking place in has a theme park, at the very least. Like, I'm just it, saying Denver doesn't have anything like that anywhere near it. It, it, it does, but, like, you can have a theme park in a like, for instance, the there's there Six Flags Over Texas is in Arlington. Arlington is connected to the Dallas area, sure. It's still its own like smaller town, and it's like harder to. I mean, it's it's harder to get there if you live across the Metroplex. It's you know, all, all I'm saying is you can have a theme park that services not just the city that you're in. It can serve as a tourist draw. Um, I mean, yeah, but if that's the case, you're basically like. They're not living in Lake Buena Vista, you know what I mean? <laughs> Let's see, what's the biggest city in Colorado? Because I'm assuming we're talking Colorado here. So Colorado Springs is actually the biggest city in Colorado, and it's at 483,956 4, people. Uh, so half a million people could be Colorado Springs. But you know, it's all. All I'm saying is that there's no town with mountains in the middle of the country, a thousand miles away from California, that's bigger than LA. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, my point is, I don't know if he's telling the truth. <laughs> I think he's exaggerating it to make it sound better because he wants his daughter to go with him. I don't know. I think he's telling the truth here. I. I also think that if it were LA, there's no way Rachel would believe that. <laughs> yeah, like being like it's, because it's, LA is gigantic. It's a larger town than here, Rachel. It's like the fuck it is, Dad. <laughs> like you just said, eighty three thousand, yeah, for uh, Colorado uh, Springs. No, four hundred eighty three thousand. Okay, yeah, there we go. It's like even if we assume Anaheim, Anaheim is three hundred and fifty k. So like, it's not that much bigger. <laughs> But but Los Angeles's population is three point eight four nine million. It's gigantic. It's a mega city. Uh, so I mean, I'm sure that's that's increased slightly since the 1990s. And the 1990s looks like it was well three point four million, still in the millions. I I feel like it, it's probably not Los Angeles. It's probably like somewhere closer to Thousand Oaks or I'm just looking at a map here, Oxnard. Um, Close to L.A., but not, like, actually in L.A. Or Santa Clarita. Um, you know, one of those places. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, you know, definitely SoCal. Definitely L.A. area. Definitely probably on the coast, so most likely more like Oxnard. Uh, mostly yeah. the reason that I keep insisting it's L.A. is because mm-hmm. the Jet Propulsion Laboratory is there, and that's where Marco's dad works, so... Well, also, I mean, it could be that Marco's dad commutes. <laughs> you know? There's lots of people who do that. I guess. <laughs> At any rate, 
Anyway, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to make this a big thing. No, no. But like, <laughs> it's, it, yeah, it, it's, it, it's just funny. <laughs> Okay, but yeah, in any case, uh, here, uh, Rachel thinks she is in town enough to be taken on by that teacher whose name I didn't write down. I didn't look it up. Is that, like, an actual famous person or just somebody they made for the sake of this book? Uh, Carla... Who was it? Sorry? Elkinoff. Yeah, something like that, yeah. It sounded like it was, like, maybe made up, but also I don't remember famous gymnastics from the 90s, obviously. Uh, no, it's not a real person. <laughs> okay, didn't think so. It's funny how often they will actually reference real people, but then also just make up total people. <laughs> right there. <laughs> But yeah, uh, but she gets confused about things when he says that his new job would basically pay him well enough to let her fly back every week to visit, which if she if she wanted, which is absolutely ridiculously well off to be able to afford that. I feel like an like he he'd be a a full like news anchor. So I mean, they make a lot of money. True, but like that's also just that would be just so taxing every week, like Friday evening, flying back on like a red eye to go visit your friends and family. <laughs> and then fly back Sunday. <laughs> oh, so yeah. <laughs> and also, yeah. and also, do Animorphs missions. This is. You have to remember, this is pre nine eleven. So true. Yeah. You know, after nine like, eleven, I, mean, I feel like even before nine eleven, I was only on the plane like, once, and it was like when I was like ten, like the one time we flew down to Florida to visit my grandparents, compared to driving. Because usually we would spend a whole fucking day in the van not stopping and just let them switch out who was driving. Basically, as three kids were going insane in there. Oh, definitely not. Nah. I believe security did not take nearly as long to get through. Yeah. You didn't have to take off your shoes and do all that okay, stuff. No, and you could leave Canada the terminal truly incredible. more easily. You walk through the thing and um, then you go on the plane. So, it's amazing. Uh, it, it's, it's still really fucking stupid that like we still have to do all that stuff of like taking your shoes off at the airport, but we couldn't <laughs> manage to persist with keep making sure people stayed masked and distance for more than like a year at most. <laughs> well... Uh, that's yeah. because things that are, uh, based on, like, paranoia of an other are, uh, a lot more enduring than things that are based on a need for cooperation and solidarity in yeah. the face of an impersonal, non-human threat that can't be classified as an enemy to blame. Yeah, you know? like, you can't, it's... you can't obviously see COVID. Besides which, there is a huge multi-million dollar technical industry to be made by installing fancy scanners in every airport, whereas uh, selling a $9 box of masks once a month or so is not gonna. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, in any case, uh, yeah. Basically, Rachel realizes that his dad, like, as she's presenting his case, just, she realizes that he'd be lonely so far away, and she starts crying a little bit after he leaves to let her think things through. And that's, yeah, that's I it. do think that loneliness is definitely a big part of it. I don't think those emotions are are separate, you know. Yeah. Guy, guy, guy loves his daughter. Guy wants to be near his daughter. It's mm -hmm. it's under. I, I feel I feel for him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but that leads us into chapter six, which I called "Should I Stay or Should I Go." <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, which cuts the. It is a pretty short. But, uh, my description here. It just cuts the after Rachel's dad leaves, where her mom assures her that it's her choice and trusts her to make the right decision. Rachel returns to her room, basically just stare at the ceiling because she can't sleep. Because we've all been there where your brain is tired, but also keeps looping an earworm for no fucking reason at all, no matter how hard you try. Because brains <laughs> are dumb. 
Uh, she eventually thinks about her friends and what it means to lead them to continue the fight without her, and she ultimately just takes off into the night as a great horned owl, so I guess she got that morph too besides just Cassie, in order to go and clear her head for a bit. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, but she lets herself get distracted by all the yummy prey she sees and thinks about how her dad could just choose not to take the job nor move, which would make things easier on her, because she ever has to disappoint him or disappoint her mom and sisters. Yeah. Oh, well, obviously not being able to tell anybody involved why the decision eats away at her resolve to help stop the alien brain slugs. <laughs> uh, yeah, she thinks about how she always had a close relationship with her dad, even being happy that he didn't care that he never had a son because she's tough enough to be a boy, so let Rachel start tea, it can save him. <laughs> this honestly kind of makes me hate Rachel's dad. This... She's as good as any boy. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. Yeah, it's not great. Like even Rachel's like, yeah. I know it's sexist, but it made me happy. And it's like, should it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, but yeah, she basically at that point just still tries to harden and resolve to stay and help her friends, but cannot help but daydream about a very different life so far away from this covert war that she's in. And I can smell where this entire book is going already. <laughs> no, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can't. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, so. <laughs> I, I feel like the wording there is kind of insensitive and and could have been better, but I feel like I, the sentiment behind it is he wanted a son to do guy stuff with mm -hmm. and then realized because of Rachel that he didn't need a son to do guy stuff with and that those gender roles are dumb. Yeah. And that his daughter was just as good for the kinds of things that he wanted. It, it's like the whole, like, oh, you can't play... It's like, oh, you can't play video games, you're a girl, and it's like, that's not gendered. People just the, think it is. Well, the, the just as good as any boy thing, I think, is a sign of growth that he previously underwent. Now, does he need additional growth? Likely, <laughs> yes. Uh, but, you know, I I, I, I don't know, I, I'm a bit more forgiving here. I think that, that uh, and maybe it's just that I, I like this character, but... I, I, I think this is a sign of something good, just phrased in an unfortunate way. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just... I get that you like the character, but to me, Dan is presented as just so manipulative this entire time that it's hard for me to give him the benefit of the doubt when he says things like this. Yeah, like I said, like it kind of does come across like he's trying to lure Rachel away, even if it's like, even if like he realizes it's because he just feels like he'd be lonely out there, he's still kind of putting her in a bad position of having to choose. Oh no, he definitely is. I'm not saying he's perfect. I'm not saying that what he what he's doing is great. Uh, and I'm not saying that he should be moving at all. I don't think he should be. I think that he should be valuing his family over over um you know his his daughters over over his career. But I also think that like I understand the emotions he's feeling right now, yeah. Yeah. and I can I can sympathize with them, and I can feel compassionate towards his character. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Um. I, I don't, I don't know, it's hard for me to hate people, even when they're fictional. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a matter of hate, it's a matter of distrust. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like if he's being distrustful, he's also lying to himself a little bit. I think he's convincing himself that, oh, I'm doing this for, you know, uh, I, I definitely don't agree with the things he's doing, I just understand his reasons for doing them, and I can sympathize. That's all, that's all. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's the end of my description for the chapter. <laughs> okay, Rachel is not okay, chapter seven. <laughs> She's fine. <laughs> uh, so she flies into Tobias's territory, into the meadow that he hunts in. She's in the morph of a horned owl. It's night, so um, 
there's another horned owl here that she's she is worried about because uh you know the horned owl has the territory by day and but by, by night and Tobias has the territory by day. She flies up, um, and Tobias flares because uh it's a big horned owl coming after him <laughs> uh, at night. So. Um, but it's, it's actually Rachel, and, and she reassures him of this fact, and, and Tobias says that she scared the shit out of him, uh, tells her not to do stuff like that, uh, Rachel's like, what's the big deal, I'm, I'm an owl, not an eagle, and then Tobias says, no, but owls have been known to go after hawks, they're tough, night is their thing, um, and he doesn't want to have to fight one. <laughs> At this point, Rachel apologizes and, and says that Tobias's life can be dangerous, and she didn't realize that or remember that. Um, Tobias lets out, like, gives this comment that it has its advantages and advantages too, but I feel like it doesn't really blunt the guilt that she's feeling right now. Um, and Tobias asks why she's there. He, she, she says that she had to get out of the house, uh, and there's this exchange where. Tobias is asking, like, why? What's going on, basically? Unless it's none of my business, he says. Uh, and Rachel does not tell him the real reason. Just just hyper, she says. Um, just had energy. She needed to get out. And she says she doesn't want to tell him, but then wonders if she did want to, because otherwise, why would she, why would she be there? Uh, and then she starts saying that she's nervous about going into the York pool. Tobias responds with confusion. You're worried, you. Uh, and, you know, Rachel does get afraid sometimes. So she she says as much. And she says she's thinking about going to the gardens, acquiring a, a new morph, perhaps a lion or a grizzly bear. I wonder which it will be. <laughs> <laughs> Who can um, say? We definitely can't tell from the cover. <laughs> she asked Tobias to go with her. Uh, and Tobias says no, because he's a hawk, not really good at flying at night, especially that far. There's no thermals. Ding. Ding. <laughs> Been a while. Uh, so she drops the idea of Tobias going with her. Um, and Tobias knows that there's still something wrong with Rachel that she's not saying. So he asks what's really bothering her. Uh, and she says, it's nothing. Uh, this is a lie. <laughs> uh, no, she's totally fine. Believe her. <laughs> Nothing's she, wrong. She says she's gonna go back. She's gonna head on home. Um, which she doesn't end up doing. Uh, and Rachel asks a question that I think must have been on her mind for a while, which is, what happens years from now? What happens after? Um, what happens after uh, they graduate from high school? What have the fight continue after that? And she mentions college specifically, and Tobias cracks a joke that he could probably get easy A's in ornithology, and then of course we clarify it's the study of birds, you know, for the children who are reading this in the naturally, ornithology. Naturally. And, and for me, uh, I guess I didn't know the term. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, um, Professor Tobias. <laughs> uh, and Rachel clarifies and says, um, Sooner or later, most of us can leave, move somewhere else. What do we do then if the Yerks are still around? Tobias responds that, you know, if it, the war, the war, we're probably not going to last that long. At at some point, like three years, four years, either the Yerks win or they do. And, you know, it, it's 
even even then, after the war's over, some people are going to be able to go on to more normal lives than others. Uh, the implication being that, you know, things are never actually going to be normal for Tobias. Um, and this kind of leaves Rachel speechless. You know, Tobias has already lost so much, so she feels really guilty for bringing this up with, with him, of all people. Um, I feel like she should probably trust Tobias a little bit more here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Especially with, like, how much, like, just a few books ago, Tobias was talking to her about, like, how he was losing his sense of self and stuff. <laughs> and it's like, he's yeah, confided yeah, in you. Maybe you should uh, feel comfortable doing the same here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Also, the kind of stuff that you're bottling up right now, in the kind of situation you're in, you can't afford to leave that inside. Yeah. It's gonna eat you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, I wonder what will happen to Rachel later, mentally. Mm, uh, you can say. <laughs> um... At this point, like, Rachel resolved she can't leave, clearly. she Leaving this city, going with her dad, would basically be abandoning the rest of the Animorphs in their fight. She can't go take gymnastic classes from a professional-level teacher. She has to stay here and be a warrior uh, for the sake of her friends, for the sake of humanity. Um, And she's silent for a long time, and and Tobias, one last time... for the second to last time, asks her if she's okay. And again, she lies. <laughs> Rachel is not okay. That's why I named this that chapter this chapter that. Um, and she says, no, of course I'm okay. Uh, and she says, resolves, I think I'm actually going to go get some firepower. Um, and she makes a joke about, about uh, going back into the York pool again. Uh, Tobias says he's going to be sitting out the battle. She, uh, Rachel says, don't worry, I'll get a Hork-Vizier for you. Um, Tobias, one last time, asks if Rachel's okay. She lies big time, says she's more than okay, and that she's got to go. Tobias cautions Rachel, don't go to the gardens, go home, because you're clearly not well in the head right now. Uh, and she ignores him and flies off toward the gardens. <laughs> uh, she turns head south. I've called chapter eight, um, Drowning Your Sorrows in Bear. <laughs> uh, You're going for the beer, right? Uh, I, I guess so, but I <laughs> um, actually didn't think about that, Three but bears deep. yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> so, sorry, one second. So Rachel flies out over the gardens to find... A bear. She's looking for a grizzly bear specifically. It mentions not polar bear. I don't know why. Polar bears are way bigger than grizzly well, bears. <laughs> according to what I have, I wasn't interested in the little black bears or the polar bears. So yeah, she doesn't say not them, but she's not interested either. <laughs> I don't know. It's maybe because they're too <laughs> obvious. A polar bear wandering around California would be... <laughs> Well, she says after she wanted power, implying that grizzlies are the advantage that the power is the advantage that grizzly has over a polar bear, which is just not true. <laughs> grizzlies are like seven feet tall. Polar bears are like ten feet tall. They're huge. Well, I mean, uh, like realistically speaking, there's a specific reason that Rachel needs to get a bear morph for the plot of this story, and she doesn't know that. But it sure is convenient how it happened that way. You know what I mean? And if she got yeah, a polar bear, it would not work. It has to be a grizzly. <laughs> to- the whole while 
she's she's acquiring this bear. She's thinking about her her issues, you know, her, her problems she has. Leave, move, move out of town, give up. No way, no way. And my dad, I would see him. I would still see him when he came to town. That's what jets were for. You know, he she, she she's um she's got her thoughts on the the problem she's facing that she doesn't know how to solve. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she looks at this bear and she sees something that is quote beyond fear, beyond doubt, beyond pain. And she wants that. So while she's acquiring this bear, she's thinking about her dad packing up to go. She's thinking about uh, the screams in the earth pool. She's thinking about the Tobias trying to joke about college, despite knowing that things will never be, you know, the same for him. Um, and these all just swirl together into, like, one big confusing guilty, lonely thing. Um, and there's a point at the end here where I think she kind of resolves herself to the war, in a way. It, the chapter ends with, but that wasn't the life I had, not anymore. Yeah. And I, I think that here she's basically saying, fuck all that just gonna kill <laughs> like that's that's where this is going no, no thought um, had empty only murder yeah no it's 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 not that rachel is fearless she's not uh it's that she sublimates the fear and the you know mourning her her normal life uh with blood <laughs> so like that's that's kind of how she do, uh, and we'll see. I think a lot of that more later. But this is where we start to get the first hints of of what makes Rachel tick, <laughs> of how she deals with her personal problems. <laughs> yes, through violence. Uh, I've called chapter nine a gap in security. Uh... <laughs> so they arrive at the mall separately. Uh, it's clear that you know they. They don't want to make it clear that they're a group. So anytime they appear in public, they're going to do so separately. Uh, Rachel and Cassie are at the uh, are at the Gap pretending to shop. Uh, Marco, Jake, and Axe came in, were at the arcade for a bit, and are going to start wandering over uh, to meet them. There's a, a no- we get another hint that from from Cassie that um, Marco seems all into this lately. Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> uh, Rachel, on the other hand, sorry. I just said, who, who can say? We have who can don't say? Know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Rachel, on the other hand, is feeling jazzed. She um, she gets this kind of feeling before she goes on dangerous missions, which is uh, almost excitement. I guess it's interesting that the you know excitement and fear have the same chemical kind of response in the body. Mm-hmm. It's just like. The difference between excitement and fear is like, oh yes and oh no. <laughs> so that's that's really it. Like it's just a different difference in how you perceive the feeling. So I, I feel like this this makes sense that she's she's feeling terrified, she's feeling scared, and then she shifts that into like, yeah, gonna go gonna go kill some yurts. Um, we're gonna go do this dangerous thing. This uh, you know, she's she's a bit of a thrill seeker. So um. 
they get this cute little exchange where Cassie fails to shop. Uh, <laughs> Rachel picks something out, and then Cassie says she'd never wear that. It says dry clean only, and I do feel like anything dry clean would be probably a problem for Cassie. <laughs> because that would be a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> um, Her family's definitely the kind that also just want to like hang it up to dry rather than use a washing uh, dryer. I feel. I, don't I feel like they probably use a dryer. They're busy veterinarians who are always working. But, they don't have time but they, for that. They live out in like a big field. They have plenty of wind and stuff, right? Yeah, but do they have the time is what I'm saying. <laughs> a, a dryer is way faster than hanging mm-hmm, your clothes up mm-hmm, to dry. Yes. Yeah. And they are... Energy. And, and they are like busy... Per- vets are busy people. And they have <laughs> not only their, their regular jobs, but a whole wildlife uh, rehabilitation clinic that they just run on their own, so I don't think they have time they, for they, that uh, non-automated drying shit. Besides <laughs> which, like, they are veterinarians. They need to make sure their clothes are sanitized, and if you're just hanging them outside yeah, in a fair, field for yeah. a while, that's not gonna... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess. You cannot risk bringing um, infection when you're doing surgery. <laughs> <laughs> they decided They decided the best way to go in will be cockroach morph. Uh, we'll see how that works out later. But for now, they're morphing, Cassie and Rachel are morphing cockroaches in the, uh, in the dressing room. We get a, another, we get another morphing is gross description. It lasts a while. I'm mostly Mm -hmm. gonna, gonna gloss over it. Uh, for some reason, when they morph, they notice there are straight pins all over the carpet. I don't know. (laughs) Is that a thing? Um. Is that a thing that happens? Like, I think it used to be more of a thing than it is now, but sometimes clothing places would use pins to keep clothes looking nice while they were on the hangers. And so if you tried them mm-hmm. on, then maybe they would get scattered. But also, like, I feel like they should clean those up sometimes. I don't... Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I guess so. It's, it's kind of um... like one of those things where it's like, even when I started like trying out femme clothes, I didn't realize a good amount of femme clothes have, like, those little, like, invisible, like, strap kind of things that are used to like keep them better on the hanger and yeah. stuff. I hate those things. I always t- I always get them off. <laughs> <laughs> they just annoy me. Is the thing and like they hang just fine on my uh, clothes hangers anyway. Yeah, I do want to note yeah. during this morphing is gross sequence though. Just real quick, Rachel does straight up just scream when she sees herself yeah, in the mirror uh-huh. transforming, and no one uh-huh. comes to check it out. No, <laughs> definitely don't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that does seem weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, they, you know, the, the roach instincts come up and they're, you know, panicked because of all the light, I assume, but they don't, that they're able to control that. Um, at this point, the rest of them are going to enter, uh, Marco, I... Jake, Axe, and they're also going to morph. I have to What's ask. Up? How does Axe fit inside of a changing room in his Andalite form? Very carefully. <laughs> like, it's like, I, I the average changing room is really not all that large. I guess I'm mostly thinking of, like, you know, like, uh, for some reason Victoria's Secret ones are fucking large, as I found out recently, but, like, most of them aren't that big for me I to think fit you a deer could fit, in. I think you could fit a deer. You could a absolutely fit deer a deer in there. Into one. I guess uh, I guess he's a teenager alien deer, so maybe he's smaller and can fit. There just wouldn't be a lot of room, like extra room. Maybe if X kind of got his front hooves up on the bench. <laughs> Especially <laughs> since Jake is in there also as a human, so. Yeah. 
What? No, because um, Jake goes in last after they've all morphed already since he deals with their clothes, so he's not in the same room as Axe. I mean, they're all in there because he has to be in there to grab all the clothing that they're dropping without it looking suspicious. Yeah. Well, they morph. Um, also, how did they get now in? Now everyone... How, did, how does Jake manage to open up all the doors that they were in? Because don't they lock? <laughs> uh, unless they unlocked them before they morph. Um, that seems very risky. <laughs> well, anyway, they're all bugs now. They're all bugs now. Uh, and Marco mentions it's taking about 15 minutes for them to all get in and get morphed, which means they have about an hour and 45 minutes left, and getting stuck as a cockroach is just really not an option. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Again, like, X can keep track of time accurately. Why is he not doing that? Why is Marco to be like, yeah, it's been like 15 minutes? <laughs> I don't know. It's like... <laughs> Why does Marco have to wait for Axe to say something before he can say that it's been fifteen? Yeah, it's been fifteen minutes. <laughs> you know why can't? Because I guess Marco at that point realizes Axe ain't keeping track of time for some reason. <laughs> uh, just because Axe hasn't said anything within fifteen minutes, Axe doesn't keep track of time. No, just like he wants to say the thing he wants to say. It's fine. It's fine. Axe will keep track of time as time goes on. Marco can do this. Marco can say this thing. Marco knows it's been 15 minutes, so Marco can say they have an hour and 45 minutes left. It's not a big deal. Uh, I guess I just see it as like, oh, that's Axe's job. Because Axe can keep track of it accurately. Listen, it's all of their job. This is too important to leave on one person. Exactly. I guess if X gets got, then it's like, fuck, we, how much time do we have? This is <laughs> this is everyone's concern. And there will be times later where X will not be available to tell them that how much time they have left. So they have to, you know, do that. Um, so Jake says it's time to move out. Uh, so they scamper up under the seat, and they're going to wait there for a controller to come in and do whatever is needed to you know, be done to open whatever door is in this in this dressing room. Um, what happens is a someone walks into the room. Their eyes aren't really good enough to tell who it is, what kind of person it is. Uh, but not long after that, the mirror on the back wall of the dressing room just swings open, and there's an assault of uh, damp air. Uh, there's a, a mineral scent, and that aroma is very very familiar to Rachel. It is the smell of the York pool, and. Uh, fun fact, smell is, is very closely related to sense memory. It's very evocative of, <laughs> of memories. And sometimes they can be good memories, and sometimes they cannot be mm-hmm. good memories. And yeah. in this case, it's the latter. It's like, um, it's like after uh, ages of the radiator not being on with the heat, as soon as it turns on in fall, it always makes you think of Christmas, because that's always like a smell just associated around then, because you have the heat running all the time. Yeah, and if that so if that smell were associated to you with a big room full of screaming people, um, <laughs> yep, yeah, uh-huh. then I feel like it probably not have the same reaction, like uh, evoke the same memories that it does for you right now, would it? <laughs> no, <laughs> or the same feelings, honestly. Uh, so now that the door's open, they have no time to lose. They go in after the controller. Uh, the door closes behind us. They are in, and there is no way back out. <laughs> um, and then that's the end of my chapter. Yep. So we'll continue this next time. Yeah, yeah. At least they're already uh, getting to the shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the main plot of this book starts in chapter three, which is way earlier than it usually is, so I really appreciate that. It's... I mean, it it starts, I would say that, like, the main impetus of what the book is about will start 
like in chapter 11, I think? Well, it's it, like... So the thing, question, quote-unquote, that the book is about has not started yet. No. But, like, mm-hmm. to get to that thing, the main plot... Like, I consider all of this yeah. Yerkpool invasion. That is the thing. It's just not yeah. the specific yeah. something. It's, 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 it's not like how yeah, it took yeah. two-thirds of the last book to get to the thing the book was named after last time. We we have still yet to meet the titular stranger. Yeah. We we will come into the uh, the namesake of the book a lot earlier, though, than in other books. I think we will hear, we'll, we'll, we'll meet the stranger uh, this one's pretty time. obvious, but, yeah. Can can I can I make a guess as to who this stranger uh, is? It's either the fucking Snoopy that you told me is actually not at all a joke when I said that, or it's the space wizard. Makes sense. Yeah, one of one of those seems pretty pretty likely. Because <laughs> I would say them meeting a talking dog like well, I guess Snoopy doesn't talk, but meeting a dog that acts like a person like Snoopy or a fucking space wizard would definitely be strange. <laughs> Although I guess also at this point a dog acting like a person actually wouldn't be all that strange because they do that. <laughs> ah. Yeah, um, it's also like you're talking dog acting like a person. You got about. A third of the story there, so that actually that's that's uh that's reassuring to me because it means we haven't completely spoiled it. <laughs> well, I mean, because I was just being like, oh, what? Like, you're gonna tell me fucking Snoopy shows up? You go like, ah, you're not too off. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. No, you're not. You're actually, you're actually. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's it's. I'm it's still, not... I'm super fucking curious. If this isn't the dog that's introduced in this one, I'm like, what? I'm gonna be more fucking curious about that because it's like the longer we go, I'm just gonna be like, when do we get to the fucking dog? <laughs> I'm sorry, Vivian. You're completely misinterpreting it. It's not a dog. It's just a World War One flying ace, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and a uh, yes. oh fuck! I'm trying to think of all of Snoopy's other personas. Uh, it's mostly that and Joe Cool, like the ones people think of. I feel <laughs> those are like the famous ones, but he also likes being yeah. a vulture. Oh yeah, yeah, right, yeah. The bit story he's like pretending to be a vulture, looking for like a, car- a carcass to eat on his doghouse, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, but that's how like that's how, like like. That's more like a goof gag rather than him, like, wearing sunglasses, hanging out by the water fountain to press the button for people, or <laughs> pretending that he's doing war crimes. <laughs> I mean, it's a persistent bit. Yeah, well, I mean, like, the, I mean, I mostly think of it like, you know, because, like, there's a whole, like, 15 fucking minute segment of him pretending to be a World War II flying ace in the Halloween special that they super cut out from TV airings these days. <laughs> Because uh, time and also you probably don't want to spend 15 minutes on World War II. It's bad, y'all. <laughs> One. So I want to say we are nine chapters in, and it's already super obvious that this is a much stronger Rachel book. Oh, than for her sure. Oh, yeah. One. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's there's already severe emotional distress, sublimating your fears and becoming a violent animal, or the thought of doing so. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, the the last time we had her as a narrator, besides, like, the bit with the guy harassing her with the car, it's like, it was entirely like, oh no, my friend's dad is a, is a controller, I need to try to help her out by being a cat and sneaking in twice and being caught twice. <laughs> No. things didn't change. This is this is the book where Rachel becomes the Rachel we all know and love for the rest of the series. <laughs> At the very least, make some significant steps towards it. <laughs> yes, it's uh, it, it's great, uh, and I, I I love this because I don't know I, I want to yeah. say stuff I really should say for the end. So 
so far, we've we've seen some some real like emotional moments from her, and I don't know what it is. I just like it when when characters have to deal with uh, like find ways of coping with with yeah, severe sure. emotional distress. Uh, I, I think it makes good <laughs> drama. I guess I should say, uh, I've been debating about whether I would do this, but ultimately I've decided that I'm going to send you this image because it is technically the first thing you would see when you open the cover of the book. I mentioned that there is a specific reason that Rachel needs a grizzly bear and not a polar bear, and it is because of this image. If she was a polar bear, she would not fit in that elevator. Oh, um, <laughs> that is true, yes. And this scene... This scene, like, this is what I love about these inner covers. Okay, so it's it's an image, for those of you who are listening, it's an image of a bear, a gorilla, and a tiger in an elevator. Uh, and they yeah. all fit in there. They're big animals. Uh, they they would not they would not fit, like, <laughs> if, if Rachel was a polar bear. Uh, you are correct about that. The, the thing I love about these inner covers is that you would buy them and you yeah, I mean, book. whether you're like a kid in the night seeing them, or like me, where you show me the fucking one of them in Legoland, yeah. going "fuck yeah, Jake," <laughs> which I can't get that image out of my mind because it's so fucking stupid. Oh, it's great! I love that which, book which, so which much. Which book was that again? It's it's yeah it's it's far okay. it's like far in the future. Yeah. But when we get to it, it'll be great yeah. because it's just it's. It's so wild. It's it's just like off the wall sci-fi bullshit the entire time, and I love it. I did hear that they go to other planets at some point. I just want to know the context of why one of them looks like goddamn Legoland. Um, you just, I honestly, can I, I? I will tell you this. It just does. It just does. Ask what that planet looks like. It, there's no reason why. It just, you know, that's how they build the cities there. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> like, there's no secret as to why it's all weird. Is it the is it the planet of one of the uh, yerk uh, controlled species that we've introduced? I been don't think to, we should say that. One? Not. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Okay. Yeah, that that I that I won't answer. Like we've given uh, you a fair. lot of incidental spoilers by this point, but we're trying. I promise. <laughs> And you you say that I get none of it makes sense in my head. Is the thing. that's the thing? Is we, we've we've been very careful to make sure that the spoilers lack any context that context yeah, that yeah. would give them meaning. And like I'm also intentionally I'm also intentionally not looking ahead to get answers because I don't want them just now because otherwise like, I'd be sitting on them for fucking years. That's why I specifically chose the term like the word space wizard because mm-hmm. it tells you nothing about the character. In fact. It's just it. It's so vague and nondescript, and so like outside of what the core of the character is that you're gonna see this character and you're gonna be like, <laughs> you're gonna be mad at me. Actually, I think. <laughs> well, I'd be more mad about the space wizard or more mad about fucking Joe Cool Snoopy whenever we find that um, guy. <laughs> well, I. I mean, you made most of the decisions about that. I will. I just said Snoopy wasn't far off. <laughs> Uh, so you, if, if, if you're mad about Snoopy, you should be mad at yourself more than anyone else. <laughs> I will say, like, it's not far off for what it could have been, you know, like. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, this series is expensive enough and covers so much ground. You could probably say anything and it would be in there somewhere. 
Yeah, again, again, that's why I was like, if you told me fucking Joe Cool Snoopy showed up, I'd be like, sure, at this point, you're like, eh. <laughs> and it's like, god damn it, <laughs> that was something I just threw out on the, on, at the, uh, you know, as a fucking mm-hmm. first thought in my head, and it's like, how am I fucking right about something <laughs> like that? Uh. I gotta stop being proven right on our podcast, basically, is what I'm getting at, at this point, because I've been right about a lot of stuff in predicting how Owl House went. I've been right about a bunch of stuff with this, apparently, with predicting Marco's mom was Visser 1 and all, and, like, being like, oh, yeah, okay, this happens. This is definitely where this is going. And then you're like, yeah, we can't say anything for, like, three weeks until you know. <laughs> Marco's mom being this, like, I think I think you guessed that Marco's mom had been Yurk. You did not guess that Marco's mom fair, was yeah, Visser fair. 1. Yeah, I was like, yeah, because yeah. it was, like, too much, like, Disney death stuff of, like, there's no body, she just disappeared one day, out of character, a little bit, taking the boat. It's like, mm, yeah, that definitely means she ain't dead. <laughs> She's a controller. That much is obvious. Yeah. This, this, yeah. The thing that really, I think, is the is the big reveal is that Marco's mom is... is yeah, head, to, head yerk. <laughs> like, head yerk. Literally the highest ranking yerk that's not in the Council of Thirteen. Yeah. So, she's a big deal. That, yeah. that I think, is the... Like, is, it, is, it was also partly, like, the fact that, like, I get that it was because they had to remind the audience, like, almost every book that Marco's mom died, air quotes, because yeah. it could be the first one you read, but it's like, I know how story goes. If you have to keep dwelling on something like that again and again, it's like, yeah, this is, this is bullshit. <laughs> She's totally dead, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure, books. I'm excited to get these next chapters because... These next chapters are where the wildness truly starts. Like... Yes. This book. This book. Oh, boy. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> the, the Animorph series is... If you take it this totality... Uh... Trippy as hell. And has some really crazy, like, high-concept sci-fi shit that I really appreciate and mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of what i'm a fan of and this is where that book this 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 is where that kind of starts um like not not to give away too much because i did read this entire book i do that a lot i just went and yeah. read the whole thing and i i mean yeah they take they take like an hour to read overall <laughs> something if like that. that sure but uh, the place where we will be leaving off next episode, episode two, that is probably my favorite cliffhanger that we have had so far. It is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But yeah. Um, so does anyone else have anything you want to say about this book so far? I think we're good. Mm, I, don't, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, we've already established it's stronger than the last Rachel book, but to be fair, it has only been yeah. one other, so it's like... yeah. One of them's going to be worse than the other, unfortunately. Just no, it's process just, of it's just as you start to read more Rachel books, you'll realize how embarrassingly weak the second book is in comparison to the others. Because Rachel, yeah. as a character, changes a lot and becomes... You know, I mean, I'd imagine, I'd imagine a lot of them change a lot because they're literally fighting oh, yeah. a war that nobody else really knows One, exists. And also, that, that makes a bunch of PTSD 100%. It's just that Rachel's... Rachel's transformation is a lot more dramatic than I think a lot of the other characters. Um, but we'll we'll start to see that begin yeah. in in this book, and I'm super excited for it. Uh, so yeah, I think we only have one thing left to say. Nobody, I think you are correct. So until next time, remember, Zero did nothing wrong. Zero did nothing wrong. I still don't know whether this is true or not, but for the moment, I must agree that Zero did nothing wrong. Zero, is Zero the Space <laughs> Wizard or is he the dog? Bye! <laughs>